Welcome to Passion Life Church. Today we're going to continue talking about this series called Dominion. Would you say that word? Say Dominion. I like to hear you say it because it's not a common word that we use. If you have your Bibles, turn to Genesis chapter 2, Genesis chapter 2, verse 19. And I'm going to just fill you in on a little things that we've been talking about as you're turning there. You know, the word dominion is a Bible word. It comes from Genesis chapter 1, where we see when God created everything, he put this word dominion and he made Adam and Eve and he put them in the garden of Eden. If you look in the Hebrew word of Eden, it's pretty amazing because the Hebrew word Eden means pleasure, luxury, delight. The root word actually means this. It means a house of delight. How many of you know that it's always been God's desire that we, his people, delight in him? He wants us, he wants mankind to find their delight in him. And so he placed Adam and Eve in the garden of Eden. And you see in chapter one of Genesis, he uses this word dominion. He gives them dominion. Dominion means to rule, to have dominion, to dominate tread down, prevail against and reign. Now he's not talking about people and we are going to talk about people next week because how many of you know the Bible says that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood but against principalities and power. We are in a spiritual world and yes the spiritual world can affect people but our primary battle is not against people in Genesis chapter 1 verse 26 he tells us it says God said like let's man he's talking about mankind he's talking about man and female mankind let us make man in our image and our likeness you were made in the likeness of God what does likeness mean to function as God functions men and women were always supposed to be God's representative on this earth can I hear a good amen today you were meant to function like your father God right and so it's so important that we understand that so dominion and authority is one of I believe the greatest gifts that God can give mankind he didn't just put us here as victims he didn't just put us here as subject to the elements he put us here with power authority and dominion now whether we exercise that dominion is completely and totally up to us and here's what we've learned Adam and Eve gave up their dominion Obviously, the enemy was an angel. Angels have power. But you know what? The Bible says that God has made us a little lower than the angels. But the word angel means actually lower than God. Yes, angels have power. But listen, God did not give the enemy power. Adam and Eve gave the enemy um, dominion when they disobeyed God. There's a principle there because you and I have dominion. But when we live a life of disobedience, we forfeit our dominion. And the only power that the enemy can have in our life is the power that he gives us, that we give him. Can I hear a good amen today? And so we learned about even in the New Testament. I like looking at the Old Testament, but I also like looking in the New Testament. Because it would be easy to say, well, God was all about dominion, and that's how the book of Genesis was. But God made sure that when Jesus died and rose again, that you would still have not only grace, how many of you are thankful for God's grace? That we would not only be righteous, how many of you are thankful for God's righteousness? But he says that we would have dominion. It's been our theme scripture, Romans chapter 5, verse 17. It says much more, everybody say that with me, say much more. 
Much more, those who receive, so it's received, the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign. That is dominion in life through one Jesus Christ. So how do we reign? We reign through Jesus. It's not in our own power. It's in God's power. And I love saying this because, you know, so many people focus focus on the first Adam. The first Adam made a mistake. The first Adam was disobedient. But how many of you know Jesus is called the last Adam and what the first Adam couldn't do, the second Adam did. And he was not disobedient. He actually said, not my will, but your will be done. And he went to the cross and he rose again so you and I could be righteous, so we could be holy, and we can have dominion. If you believe that today, give the Lord a good round of applause for his grace and his dominion. Have you found Genesis chapter two, verse 19? I've entitled today, if you're taking notes, I've entitled today, how the power flows. How the power flows. Genesis chapter two, verse 19. This is kind of interesting, listen to this. And out of the ground, the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the air. And he brought them to Adam, to see what he would call them. And whatever Adam called each living creature, that was its name. So Adam gave names to all the cattle, to all the birds, to the air, to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not a found a helper comparable to him. I like reading the book of Genesis because in Genesis, you see God's original design. You see God's original intent for mankind. When he put man in the garden of Eden, we said Eden means pleasure and luxury. You see just the goodness of God. He didn't put, you know, he didn't create Adam and Eden, put him in the wilderness. Just put him in the wilderness. No, he put him in the garden of Eden. But I just thought this is interesting because sometimes you can look through the Bible and you can just read over things and you just go, hmm, okay, that's good. But when I was noticing this, I, I want you to think about this. Notice God, listen to this. The Bible says God brought the animals to Adam. Why? So Adam could name the animals. I don't know about you, but when I read the Bible, sometimes I have questions. You ever have questions when you read the Bible? I have questions. And here is my question. I don't mean to be disrespectful. I'm not trying to be sacrilegious, but here was the question. Why didn't God name the animals? Why is God bringing the animals to Adam? You know why? Because God gave Adam the dominion. And what did we say last week? God abides by spiritual laws. God keeps his word. So it could have been that God could have said, Adam, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to name all the cattle. But that's not what he did. He actually brought the animals to Adam. Why? So Adam could exercise the dominion. And we are calling these names of these animals still today because Adam exercised his dominion. Now, I'm going to go a little bit deeper today, and I really hope that you would really just really focus because I, I really want to unlock some things in this series. I really believe that dominion is the key that's going to unlock the next level of your life. I really believe it's what's been lacking for, for some of us. And I, I really want to dive into this because I think it's so important to know that when we talk about dominion and with the dominion that God gave Adam and Eve, listen, it was their responsibility, Adam and Eve's responsibility, to fill the earth and to subdue it. Notice what God didn't say to Adam and Eve. He did not say maintain the earth. God is not a maintainer, God is an increaser. 
He's an increaser. He said, subdue it and increase. So I got to tell you something. God is about growing. God is about moving forward. God is about stretching out our tents and growing. He said, listen to these words, big words, fill the whole earth. Whose responsibility was that? Was it God's responsibility to fill the whole earth? No, he gave that responsibility, delegated authority, delegated dominion, who? To Adam and Eve. Now, why do you say this, Pastor Phil? Because we live in a time, and I'm sure you've talked to people, I've talked to people, where they say everything is God's responsibility. I had a car accident. Well, you know, God wanted to, you know, he was trying to show me something. Oh, really? Maybe you were texting while you were driving. I won't go there. And so what we do is we abdicate a lot of the responsibility that God has placed on us. He's given us a free will. He's given us choices and he's given us dominion. And I said it last week because I've really been thinking about it. He allowed for Adam and Eve to give their dominion away. The God-given dominion that he gave them, they made a choice. Why? Because it was their responsibility to handle and have the authority that God gave them. He said, you fulfill the earth. And I think that that's important because dominion was given to Adam and Eve to advance the purposes of God. Why are we going into a new building? Because we need a permanent home. Because in seven months, the school is going to triple the rent here, going from $1,500 a month to $7,000 a month. And my church family, if we're going to take territory, listen, if we are going to minister more effectively, $7,000 a month for one week access to a building, I do not believe is wise. And why? Because we need to expand, right? We need to advance God's kingdom. We need to have a nursery. We need to have men's prayer meeting. Come on, men's breakfast with some, mm, with some eggs and bacon. And I'm sorry, vegetarians, but I got to tell you, mm, God made bacon. Come on, ladies, we got to have Pinterest parties. And I don't know what you're into, but Come on, we got to have little nurseries where, where kids can come and, and, and cry at, in the nursery and not in the main sanctuary. Come on, somebody. We need to advance the purposes of God. We think it's important that we understand that God himself abides, abides by the law that he established he abides. God established his kingdom to operate under spiritual laws. And as believers, we need to find out. It's our responsibility to find out what these spiritual laws are. Because if God abides by the laws and we are his children and these spiritual laws are effect, it would behoove me to understand what these laws are. Because watch this. He gave us these laws for us to use. They're actually for us. Now, as we talk about dominion, I think it's important that we know it. See, if you try to enforce something that's outside of the laws of God, it won't work. You're just not here to use your God-given authority for whatever you want and for your own thing. But it's important that we understand that dominion was given to us so we can understand how God's power can flow. How many of you want to see God's power flow more through your life? Amen? Now, watch this. There's not more power. There's not more power. You just have to become aware of the power that already is. 
So when I say more power, I'm not talking about God going, mm, I'm going to give you more power. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about us as his body of Christ being more aware of the power that already God has given. God is not going to get more powerful. He already is. We just have to become more aware of his power. Is that not the truth? When you say, God, I want more power. He's like, all right, let me conjure it up here. Come on, get some more power. Come on, come on, Jesus. Come on, Holy Spirit, let's go. Phil said he wants more power. No. I want to be more aware and I want to flow with the power that's already working and it is working. I said it is working. And so how does God function? How does this power flow? We need to know how God functions. Here's number one. God functions by faith. Faith is God's operating system. He himself, listen, this is important. God himself functions by faith. This is why he says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. Why? That's how he operates. If you don't operate in faith, you don't see God flow and the power flow in your life. God functions by faith. Do you remember when Peter and Jesus were walking with the disciples and Jesus cursed the fig tree. Do you remember? He cursed the fig tree and it died. Do you remember that? Mark eleven twenty two. he said this. He told Peter, he says, and Jesus answering said to him, have faith in God. Now, in some of your margins, if you look in your Bibles, some of the margins, it actually reads this, have the faith of God. That's actually the Greek. The way the Greek translates it, the Greek was written in the, in the New Testament. It's actually translated, have the faith of God. Why? That's how God functions. Listen, God does not function in doubt and unbelief. I want to say that again. God does not function in doubt and unbelief. Do you know that you can limit God? No, Pastor Phil, you know, he's all powerful. You know, do you know that you can limit God? When Jesus was walking in his hometown, Jesus said this. Because they listened to him teach in the temple and they heard him and they said, wow, it is funny. Wow. And we never heard such wisdom. Oh, wait. Isn't that the carpenter's son? Oh, isn't that Mary's boy? And the Bible says this is funny. And they were offended. How could somebody that grew up with us be so smart now? How could somebody who grew up with us be so wise now? Because the Bible says that Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature. And here's the great news. You and I can grow in wisdom and stature. And let me just warn you, not everybody wants to grow. So sometimes you're going to have to grow despite some people in your life. Can I hear a good amen today? And so he grew in, and it says they were offended. And here's what Jesus said. Jesus said, a prophet is without honor in his own hometown. Listen to these words. And so he could not do many mighty miracles in there. It didn't say, it didn't say that he wouldn't do. It says he couldn't do. Why? Because they didn't have the operating system that he used. The operating system was faith. But because how they saw Jesus didn't match up with who he really was, they saw a carpenter. They saw this <laughs> Joseph's son. And because there was no honor, they experienced no miracle. Listen, we can limit God. 
by doubt and unbelief. You know, how you see God is so important because how you see God determines how you relate with him. And I'm hoping today will rattle us just a little bit to understand that God himself operates by faith. Here's the great news. And the Bible says this, that not only does he operate by faith, but he gives every single believer a measure of faith. Romans chapter 12, verse 13. God has dwelt to each one of us a measure of faith. Now, did you get a lesser faith than Jesus had? Or do you happen to have the God kind of faith? It's an interesting question. Did God say, I'm going to give you a measure of faith, but the measure I'm going to give you is not my own faith. It's, it's a little less than, I'll be back. I'm going to go into the garage and find some faith so I can give you a little measure of faith. Is that what he did? No, absolutely not. You know what God did? God gave you his very own faith. You have a measure of God's faith inside of you. If you do nothing with it, that's not on God. That's on you. I know, I'm coming against the spirit of Turkey right now. Pastor Phil, all right, I'm coming out. I know, and I know I'm about to give you some stuffing. Think about it, just for a minute, because we can read these scriptures. You and I have a measure of the faith of God. Wow. How many of you, when I, when I read these and I think about this, I'm just like, God ain't playing. He ain't playing. Look at me. He's given you exactly what you need to have authority and dominate in this world. You have a measure of faith. You have a measure of faith. Now, he himself operates by faith. How do we know that? Because he spoke. The Bible says, Hebrews 11, verse 3, by faith we understand that the world's... Can you turn me down, please, just a little bit, Josh? I appreciate it. It says Hebrews chapter 11, verse three, by faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen were not made from the things that are visible. Now, this is important. Many people think that faith is something mystical. Got to find faith. Do you know the Bible says, Paul said, Romans 3, 27, he calls it the law of faith. Let me tell you just for a minute about a law. For something to be a law, it has to work everywhere all the time. The law of gravity doesn't just work in Marietta, it actually works in Germany. It actually works in the Philippines, right? If I understand the law of gravity, right? Number one, I won't be dead, right? That's good right? Jumping off. But also I can have a lot of fun because I can jump out of a plane, right? And fall. And then hit my parachute and just fly down. How many of you have ever been skydiving? None of you. That's because everybody that does dies. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm I'm totally kidding. (laughs) See, nobody's like, I did. I know there's no survival stories. No, I'm kidding. People do survive. I would just never do that. But my point is, it's the law of faith. Why do I say that? Because laws work every time, all the time. If you work it, if you understand. Listen, I'm talking about how God functions, right? 
And so he says this. He says, by faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. Listen, so the things which are seen were not made from the things that are visible. In other words, it's my faith that brings the unseen to be seen. So here's number two. This is how God created the world. Faith says it before it sees it. It's easy to say it after you see it. That's not faith. Well, I just like to call things like it is. I know, but that's not faith. Faith actually calls those things that are not as though they were. Listen, listen, just, I'm going to go through Genesis just real quick. Genesis 1, 3. And God said, watch, let there be light. And there was light and God saw the light. When did God see the light? Did God see the light and then say that there was light? No. What did God do? God said there was be light and he saw the light. Why? Because he said it. Let's go. And God said, let there be light. And there was light and God saw the light and it was good. Why was it good? Because God said it was good. And God divided the light from the darkness and God called the light and the darkness he called night and the evening and the morning were the first day. Watch this. Genesis chapter one. What do you see? God exercising dominion over darkness. Does God have dominion? Right? God didn't give you something that he doesn't have. And right, we, right in the original creation, what does he do? He's confronting the darkness with dominion. And how is he doing that? Now, I'm going to tell you, if God functioned like this, then we would function like this. Did it say God waved his hand at the darkness? God sprinkled particles of dust on the darkness. Is that what it says? No. You know what it said? It said God said God said, so God is exercising dominion over darkness by faith. But how is he doing it? He's doing it by speaking. He's doing it by speaking. So how did God's power flow in Genesis chapter one? Watch. God said it. He saw it. Then he called it. God said it. He saw it. Then he called it. He spoke into the, he spoke it into existence. Let there be life. He saw the light and then he called the light day. God is describing exactly what he wants by his words. I was looking through this and I counted 14 times in Genesis one. God either said or God called. God said or called. Watch this. Do you know how he blessed Adam and Eve? He blessed Adam and Eve, Genesis chapter 1, verse 22. And God blessed them by what? Come on. God blessed them by what? By them saying, be fruitful and multiply. How are you blessed? Because, oh, I'm blessed because, you know, in the service I got, I got a little goose pimple, so I'm blessed. No, you're blessed because God said you're blessed. And when he said it, it's enough for you to walk in it. But if we're just going to look at the elements and, oh, I'm waiting for the goose pimples. I'm waiting for my hairs to stand up on my, on my hand. Then I'll be blessed. No, we are blessed because God blessed and he blessed them saying, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth in the seas and let, and, and, and let fowl multiply in the earth. So how do we have dominion on the earth? I have dominion on the earth because God said I have dominion. I don't like that. I don't care. God said it. Now, I have a decision to make. Am I going to live by what you say or I'm going to live by what he says? And you know what I've found? I've lived by what people say. People say a lot of things they don't mean. I'll live by what he says. 
I don't like all this dominion talk and you know, it's kind of aggressive and I'm just not, I'm sorry, I'm not the one that came up with it. God gave it to me. You know why he gave it to me? Because he knew that in life we're gonna need it because there's an enemy out there. The Bible says that we are to be sober because the enemy goes around and he's prying around roaring like a roaring, like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Who is he seeking? He's trying to devour those that don't understand that they have dominion on the earth. And he blessed them. Say, I'm blessed. This is why God brought the animals to Adam. He said, Adam, this is the way I function. Exercise your dominion. Let's go, Adam. Let's go. Adam's like, okay, let's do this. That's a B. Okay, that's good, Adam. That's good. Really creative, Adam. This thing's flying around. That's a fly. Okay, Adam, come on. Let's, let's, Let's work on this, Adam. But why did God do that? He brought the animals so Adam would begin to dominate and use his faith with his words. Here's number three, because this is how faith flows. Listen, faith flows through words, through words. You know, if you read on, it says, God said it in Genesis one, and then he made it. He said it, then he made it. What did he make? He made what he said. Whoa, what do you, what do you make? He made what he said he would make. So I, I want to ask you this question. I wonder what's in the works right now for your life. I wonder what's coming up soon for your life. Well, here's an indicator. It's whatever you said. Oh, Pastor Phil, just getting ready for flu season. Getting ready. Uh, who said it was flu season? Well, I saw a sign at the pharmacy that said it's flu season. Okay, can I ask you a question? Did God say it's flu season? Exercise dominion except for flu season. Well, you know, I, I, you know, I heard on the news that a lot of people could get the flu. Yep. You know, on the news, the Bible, the, the, the news says a lot of people die. I, I didn't come with statistics of how many people die every day, but I could just tell you how many people die every day. But what is, what is my, what is my point? You make what you say. And so all of a sudden you get home a little tired. Ooh, maybe I got the flu. Maybe you're just tired. Why don't you exercise authority instead of preparing for the flu? Why don't you start speaking that no sickness will come near my dwelling in the name of Jesus, whether it's flu season or not season, any type of season. I'm just saying this, and I know I'm being a little funny, but we, we, we grab onto things and we start to make things our own and we grab it. And like I talked about last week, we make it the final authority in our life. Proverbs 18.21 says, death and life are in the power of the tongue and they who indulge in it shall eat the fruit of the death or the life. So hear me, if faith flows through words, my church family, Death flows through words too. You have the power within your mouth to build people up or tear people down. I wonder how many marriages have been destroyed over something as simple as words. Not only words that were said, how about words that are not said? I need to hear I love you a little bit more. Well, I said it when we got married. 14 years ago, I told you I loved you. 
How about words that are withdrawn? Words that we don't say. Words of affirmation that need to be said. Death flows through words. Remember, Jesus cursed the fig tree. You know, my church family, when Jesus was in the storm, he spoke to that storm. You know that you have the power within you to curse sickness and disease? That's what I do. I don't pray anymore. When that stuff tries to get on me, especially on my son, oh man, we're going to have, we're going to start cursing. Who do you think you are coming on my son? This flu, this temperature. You have no right in Jesus' name to be in his body. And we begin to speak the word of God. What is that? I'm allowing the power of dominion to flow in his life. And until he learns how to do it for himself, parents, look at me, and your kids are going to have to learn how to do this themselves because mommy and daddy ain't always going to be around. But for me as the head of the home, I have to stand up and exercise dominion. And I speak to that thing. We speak to allergies in Jesus' name. We speak to those things. We speak to asthma in the name of Jesus. And we tell it to go. You cannot stay here. I got three amens. Maybe those are the three people with allergies. Come on, somebody. (laughs) Sometimes I make myself laugh. I'm sorry. But I feel like if I can't make me laugh, I can't make you laugh. Death flows through words. Why? Because you have dominion. Can I tell you that life flows through words? Jesus said, my words are spirit and life. You know, today, as you sit under God's word, life is coming to you. Life. Jesus was in the storm. Remember that? I think about this all the time. He was in the storm. And Jesus shows us when he was in the storm that the storm doesn't have to be in him. He got up and what did he did? He spoke to the storm. I wonder what would happen if you start speaking to whatever storm you're in and speak peace, be still. Jesus spoke to dead people. He said, Lazarus, you come forth. Remember the little girl who was asleep? He told everybody, she's not asleep. He says, arise, my daughter, because the word spoke and the word is alive. I said, God's word is alive. And God's word is not only alive when we read it, it's alive when you speak it over your life. Now, some of you, I know, man, God has done such an incredible work in your life. You prayed, God's done a great work, and you actually, that was one of the things that I had to stop doing was cussing. You know, the goal was stop cussing. And some of you stop cussing, but you're still cursing. And here's the thing, you're cursing the wrong thing. Some of you are cursing what God has blessed. Oh, let me give you a little example. I hate Mondays. I hate them. And in, listen, in the beautiful words of the female poets of the 1980s, it's just another manic Monday. I wish it were a Sunday, because that's my fun day. hate Mondays. So Monday hasn't even happened yet. And you're speaking that on Sunday over at something that doesn't even happen. You know what that is, my friends? That's inverted faith. 
and you already have in your mind everything that was going to happen. But yet, what if you started to frame your Mondays like God framed the earth, right? And with your word, you start to say, I don't hate Monday. From this point on, it's going to be Miracle Monday every Monday. You know why? Because his mercies are new every single morning. Great is your faithfulness, even on Mondays. And Tuesday's going to be too much Tuesday, too much. God is, Tuesday's going to be too much overflow Tuesday. And Wednesday's going to be wonder Wednesday. Not hump day. I'm just saying, because this is what we do. And then we get up on Monday, today's going to suck. We'll bleep that out. Come on, let's be honest. And then, I love you. And then when Monday sucks, we go, God, where are you? And God's like, I gave you dominion. And you used it the wrong way. And what we want to do is we want to put all the responsibility on God. And we don't even know that there's spiritual laws that we are operating in, but we're not operating in them in the right way. Because if you can wake up and say, this is the day that the Lord has made. I know it's raining outside. I know I haven't had my coffee yet, but I will rejoice and I will be glad in it. Deuteronomy 28, 30, it says, blessed you shall be in the city and blessed you shall be in the country. When you read further on, it says this, watch, blessed shall you be when you come in and when you go out. In other words, no matter where you go, because God said you are blessed. Stop cursing what God is blessed. Start saying with your words. Use the power of your words to say, tomorrow is an opportunity for God's miraculous power to show. That's what I'm believing for today. And if we can speak death into Monday, how much more can we speak life into tomorrow? Come on, you know it's true. Jesus tells us, though, that there's a key to our confession. Are you getting something out of today? There's a key to our confession. Mark chapter 11, verse 23 says this, for surely I say unto you, whoever says to the mountain, watch this, not just thinks about the mountain. I hate this mountain. What is a mountain? A mountain is any problem that stands between you and the promise of God. For surely I say unto you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed. Does he say, talk to God about the mountain? No, he says, talk to the mountain. Watch, be removed. And casts into the seat. Now here's the key. And does not doubt in his heart what, but believes. You're going to have a ton of reasons to doubt. A ton. But if you will believe those things that he says will be done, he will have what he says. Why? Because God's operating system is not doubt. God's operating system is not um unbelief, God's operating system is faith. Now, this is important because your words are coming from somewhere. Here's number four. My mouth speaks what my heart believes. Listen to this. Our words bring about what we believe into the atmosphere. What you say is 
ensnaring your life. Give me a scripture, Proverbs 6, 2. It says, we are snared by the words of our mouth. Snared means I'm entrapped. In other words, the atmosphere that I'm living is the things that I have spoken of. Oh, Pastor Philia, now I'm under attack. The devil's attacking me. Maybe it's not the devil. Maybe it's just you need to change the way you talk so you can have a better atmosphere in your life. Speak life over yourself. Speak life over your family. Come on, I know some of you speak life over your dog. I've seen some of you, how you talk to your dad. I know speak English. You know, we, we take this and we use it. My church family, if you learn this today and don't apply it, it will do nothing in your life. But if you will go home today, I did this last night. I'm so thankful that at 13 years old, my son still wants to come and sit next to me and he puts his head on my shoulder and I grabbed his mane of a hair. He's got like a mane of a hair. And I said, man, I wish I had this hair. And he's like, dad, you would if you didn't cut it so much. Man, I'm raising a genius. And I put my, <laughs> I put my hand and I was just like, son, you are more than a conqueror. You are going to be an incredible man of God, a man of faith, a man of courage. You're going to be strong in Jesus name. You're going to walk worthy of the Lord. I thank you, God, that this boy makes the correct decisions, that he has the spirit of wisdom. And he just said, Do you believe that? I absolutely believe that. And you know what? That's God's word over his life. And what's more important that I believe it is that he believes it. So when he, when he gets in situations, when there's pure pressure, he remembers that he's the called of God and he has courage and that he's not afraid. And that the fear of man is not a snare to his life, but this will be the atmosphere of our home. Why? Because we speak it over ourselves. I'm telling you, it'll change your atmosphere. My wife does it to me all the time. She'd be like, Phil, and I'm like doing my stuff, and she'd go, hey, handsome, the atmosphere just changes. I'm like, yes. Yes. See, did you see atmosphere right here? And just, Phil, she does, she calls me handsome all the time. Handsome. Yes. And you know what? Because she calls me that, I've been getting better looking. Come on, somebody. Can you say a good amen today? Some of you are like, I don't know if I should amen to that. Come on. He made it because he said it. He said it and then he saw it. So my church family, can I just tell you, God gave us dominion. So no matter what situation you and I are in, you always have dominion. But you're going to have to keep a believing heart. If you will believe in your heart and not doubt. So what does that mean? I just got to keep seeing, saying it until I see it. I got to keep speaking it. Pastor Phil, you know, I've been reading the word of God for my healing. I know. And keep speaking it over your life. Keep saying in Jesus name. I thank you, God. I am healed. Arthritis. You can't stay. But here's what we do. Well, you know, I'm getting old, so I'm going to get arthritis. Go ahead. Exercise your dominion. You listen to what you're saying. Listen to the things you're saying. I'm going to get off. And then what happens? Watch. This is what happens. I'm just telling you. I've pastor for 30 years. Pastor Phil, I got arthritis. I, you know, I guess I don't know why God allows that. No, you spoke it over your life. You spoke it. You said it. 
But why not say, I am the healed of God. I am delivered. I am free because where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. And that spirit resides on the inside of me. So I am free in Jesus name. I'm going to tell you this. You may not believe it, but it's my story. So I can tell it the way I want it. I was addicted. 18, 17. I was addicted to cigarettes. Two packs a day could not stop. And I heard a message like this. And you know what? While I was smoking, I was confessing. (sighs) Thank you, Lord, that I am healed. Thank you, Lord, that I am no longer addicted in Jesus name. Right. (sighs) Thank you, God, that you you you, you think I'm funny It's what I did. (sighs) I thank you, God. I am delivered from this in Jesus mighty name. And guess what happened? I just kept saying it, even though I was still in it. But you know how I got out of it? Because I started saying it. And when I started saying it, God totally delivered me from cigarettes. I don't even, when I, when I smell it, I don't even care about it anymore. I think that's what true deliverance is. He totally actually takes away the desire. You have it no longer. But you know what? Sometimes what we do is we're in it. And instead of saying, oh my gosh, I'm so addicted. You start speaking the word of God. Come on, speak your way out of it in Jesus name. Use the dominion that God has given you. Because if you believe right, you'll speak right and you'll live right. But our behavior is coming out from what we believe. Pastor Phil, I really don't know what I believe. Okay, let me talk to you for five minutes. I'll tell you what you believe because you're speaking it every day. So what we got to do is we got to allow this word to get in our heart, right? My church family, I'm going to close with this. Listen, this includes your self-talk. This includes how you speak to yourself. Even if you hit your thumb with your hammer while trying to put in a nail, instead of saying, I am so stupid, you say, I have the mind of Christ in Jesus name. In Jesus name. I wonder what some of you tell yourself. I wonder when you talk to yourself, I think some of you, the way you talk to yourself, you would never let anybody else talk to you the way you talk to you because of the things you say. But can I just tell you today as we close, that's not God's word over your life. You need to speak God's word over your life. I want to end with this. You know, the Bible says that it's out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. I love the Bible because the people in the Bible, they had challenges. The apostle Paul, then he had a lot happening in his life. He was being persecuted for preaching the gospel. Second Corinthians chapter four, verse 80 says this. He says, we are hard pressed on every side. How many of you know we live in a fallen world? There's an enemy. He says, man, we're hard pressed on every side. Watch this. Yet I'm not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. I'm persecuted. And we will. We will have persecution. Why? Because we stand for Jesus. He says, I'm persecuted, but not forsaken. I'm struck down, but not destroyed. If you read down to verse 13, listen, Paul comes all back to what we just said. Second Corinthians 4, 13 is what he says. But yet. We have this same spirit of faith according to what is written in the word. I believed and therefore I spoke. I believe, therefore I spoke. So we also believe, therefore we speak, knowing, listen to this, knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus up, with, knowing that he who raised up the Lord Jesus will also raise us up with Jesus and will present us with you.
He says, in everything going on, there's one thing you can't take away from me is my ability to believe and speak God's word over any situation. I want to close with this scripture. This is why Hebrews 10, 23 says this, let us hold fast to the profession of our faith. Watch this, without wavering, without wavering. Why? Because he is faithful who promised. I said this last week and I've been thinking about it. The Bible says that God has exalted his word above his name. In other words, he says, if I don't keep my word, I am not who I say that I am. So I have a guaranteed promise. Why won't I speak that promise over my life? In the middle of chaos, in the middle of my problems, we have a promise that if we'll hold on to and not just be quiet about, but begin to just profess and to begin to just say the promise in the midst of the problems, guess what will happen? The problems will change. Why? Because you have dominion. Death and life are in the power of your tongue. Come on, if you received that, would you give the Lord a great round of applause today? Thank you for listening today. We hope that you were encouraged and uplifted by today's message. For more information about Passion Life Church, visit us online at passionlifechurch.com.